Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater week by week and show by show. And today, we're playing it a little smooth. We're playing it a little low-key here. And in case you haven't could tell because um, we're an audio medium, Andrew has a big wacky face. <laughs> His it's new very... name is <laughs> Goatee McFace. Yeah, um, yeah, see? <laughs> I hear you like peanuts, didn't that right, Goatee McFace? Yeah, I love peanuts. I leave them at the scene of every crime that I don't commit. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Al Pacino definitely committed that crime. Yeah, but I wouldn't admit it to you, Dick. <laughs> I, I'm Dick Tracy, and I have a yellow coat and no discernible personality. Which is really how it should be. <laughs> and I take in random orphan boys, and maybe I'm cheating on my soon-to-be wife, or maybe I'm not. Who knows? Look, man, it doesn't matter. This movie's so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> in case you haven't picked up what we're throwing down, this week we are talking about Dick Tracy, directed by Warren Beatty. Cue the music. Tracy is a film written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. and directed by Warren Beatty, with music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, which got oh, him. Oh, that's why we're doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> which got him his Oscar, based on characters by Chester Gould. Dick Tracy premiered at the Uptown Theater in Washington D.C. on June 10th, 1990, and was released nationwide a day later. Reviews range from favorable to mixed, with positive comments on Madonna's acting and Beatty's direction. The film was a success at the box office, and at awards time, it garnered seven Academy Award nominations, winning three of the categories, Best Original Song, Best Makeup, and Best Art Direction. Dick Tracy is remembered today for its visual style. However, at the time, despite being able to sneak out a profit, it did not blow Disney away, and no sequel was greenlit. They also put, like, a huge marketing blitz behind it. They were really, really banking on this film being, like, Batman levels, and it just didn't get there. Um, but the plot of Dick Tracy is the comic strip detective finds his life vastly complicated when breathless Mahoney makes advances towards him while he's trying to battle big boy Caprice and his united mob. Dick Tracy. I don't know fucking anything about Dick Tracy, like the <laughs> comics or anything else. I've only seen this movie and that's it. Had you seen it before we talked about it today? Yes. Yes, okay. I had. Um, honestly, I think I just watched it cause I was just like. You know, I've heard of Dick Tracy, like, what is this about? <laughs> but unironically, this is one of the best fucking movies from this, uh, from this era. It's so fucking fun to watch. Would you say it is the best comic book movie of the 90s? Or even, you know, of the 20th century? I mean, there's not a ton of competition for that, is there? I mean, obviously, the, there's the 89 Batman. You've got the Superman movies, the Richard Donner ones. I don't know. That's I. I think this is better. I think I like this better. Um, what about Annie starring um, Albert Finney? Go Finney's? fuck yourself, Jess. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Everybody. 
Republicans too, Oliver. Same. Race for your life, Charlie Brown. I don't like any of the Charlie Brown movies, really, so. Okay, um, so this is the best comic book movie of the, the 20th century. I think the competition is probably the original Superman, which... Mm-hmm. Three hours long. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I've never sat all the way through it. Um, the 89 Batman is... The thing with that is it's really similar to this, like mm-hmm. really similar to this, mm-hmm. but I like this better, so... <laughs> you know, I think if we're just comparing it to 89 Batman, I think it might have a... I think this is better than that. I think I like Batman Returns a little better than this. <laughs> Batman Returns fucks. Now, the thing with Batman Returns is Batman Returns almost feels like they watched Dick Tracy and then made another Batman movie. <laughs> Maybe. Um, like, they got uh, the Penguin, which is kind of like some of the fucking weird... Big boy Caprice. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of... Uh, it feels like Dick Tracy ripped off Batman and then Batman ripped off Dick Tracy, but I don't actually know the timeline, so it might it might be totally That could off. even out because Batman came in in 89, Batman Returns comes out in 93, and this comes out in 91. Mm, I don't know, so maybe... You can put on that conspiracy theory hat and I will not disagree with you. There's at least some overlap. Let's talk about the, the positives just... Because I know you're, you probably got some complaints, Mr. I, Movie Man. I don't have as many as you'd think. Okay. But I just find this film strange. But that, I think that's what I love about it. Mm-hmm. So it's visually really unique, yes. I think. Um, it's, so on one hand, it looks sort of similar to the 89 Batman, like that sort of style. But it doesn't do the whole like dark colors and all that kind of shit. Everything is like vibrant. It's like you have like banana yellow or like <laughs> bright red, like these vibrant colors. It's and like it's just striking. You know you're watching Dick Tracy because it's like there's a there's the one scene where he's tied to the uh, he's tied to a chair in the basement mm-hmm. and he's wearing bright yellow. The kid is wearing bright red. Yep, and then the entire building is painted bright red and yellow and it's just like why (laughs) but it's great (laughs) it is a wild film to look at um the thing that i think is the best part about this film in my opinion is it predates digital so instead of having all this stuff that was like digitally fixed up it they had to set deck everything everything had to be painted everything had to match the style which both makes you uncomfortable but also my god I just love it. And okay. And I mean, we, you obviously you have to talk about the makeup. Yes. Like every <laughs> villain and it, it's specifically villain characters. Yeah, they not don't a do single it. hero or neutral person looks like uh, maybe yeah. Mandy Patinkin, who is like 88 Which, keys yeah. a little bit. Although they give him that fucking cartoon laugh. Um, yeah. Your people did it. They got Tracy out of the way. Only the villain characters are in this really thick makeup where they look like caricatures. They look like if you went to get like your your picture done at one mm. of those caricature places and they they draw you with a gigantic nose if you have a slightly large nose or like huge ears if you have a slightly large ears or like a tiny face if your face is like sort of disproportionate. Like everyone is like that. <laughs> and then they're all named after it as well. Like, so this there's a guy with a huge head and a tiny face, and his name is uh, Little Face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy where his head is completely flat, and his name is Flat Top. <laughs> but th- that's right out of the comics. Like, the literally those designs. Yeah, but it's the fact that they actually did it. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> they could have not done it. You know, they could have had Flat Top be a guy that wears, like, a flat hat or something. They could have gone for realism. Yeah, which, like, it's so good that they didn't, (laughs) because it makes this movie so memorable. It's like, why does everyone look so fucked up? (laughs) Let me just go through the names of all the mob members, if you could. Um, We got Mumbles, as played by Dustin Hoffman, which, unrecognizable. Fantastic. Mumbles is fantastic. I love that his mouth is, like twisted to the side mm-hmm. and everything he says is like Hello, 
Then you've got William Forsythe as Flattop. Incredible, incredible thing. He's one of my favorites. I think he just looks cool, is, is my thing. <laughs> Edo Ross as Itchy, um, his other hitman. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the phone. Um, then you've got Numbers the Accountant. Mandy Patinkin as 88 Keys. Um, you've got Prune Face, Influence, Lips, Manless. Um, played by Paul Sorvino in a very small role. Um, as I love Lips, though. He... He does the, like, um, you know, like, from Lord of the Rings, like, the disgusting eating. Yeah. I feel like Lips does it better, though. Like, he's, like, slurping up these, like, oysters or something. I don't know if it's that he does it better or if Madonna's just nailing the reaction shot in the same frame. That might be what it is, yeah. It was before you became a limp. <laughs> he's in it for, like, barely any time, but his basically his only scene is... Him eating in the most disgusting manner you've ever seen in your life. And then being drowned in cement and thrown into a, like, (laughs) lake. That's that's the other thing with this movie. It's so fucking dark. Like, it looks like, it because it's so vibrant and the makeup is so exaggerated, it feels like it's like a family movie. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's not. (laughs) How about the fact that Disney made it? God. There's a scene where you can literally just see Madonna's nipples. Yeah, like. yeah. Um, that scene <laughs> stuck with me because I went into this basically blind for another project. Um, and I'm just like, oh, her tits are out. Uh, cue the clip from Scrooge where you can see her nipples. <laughs> well, I want to see her nipples. <laughs> I'm hoping she consented to it. I know that the, the 90s were a weird time. but So that's a fun... Um, well, hey, don't worry about Madonna. She's fairly free. But there's a great story um, from Al Pacino on the set of this film where he said, I'm doing I'm doing this film, Dick Tracy, and I'm working with Madonna. And she walks up to me in a robe and I'm just like, how are you doing, Madonna? And she's like, great. And then she flashed me under a robe and she's just <laughs> completely bare underneath it. And anytime you catch me staring off into space, smiling, that's what's crossing my mind. <laughs> Why, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm just like, man, okay. that's wild. Madonna, yeah, Madonna, she, she probably She's asked a pretty to do fearless um, performer. Yeah. <laughs> and we've only talked about Madonna once before on this podcast, and that was in the Evita movie, which I also think she's not bad, and I don't think she's a bad performer. She's got a presence to her. No, I think she does really well. And, I mean, she sings... So but basically every song that Stephen Sondheim writes, it's essentially for her mm-hmm. um there is one song where she duets with uh 88 keys it's Evita and shay but they're the it's not the right Evita and not the right shay that kind of messes yeah. with me a little bit you think that madonna's character breathless is kind of just the femme fatale that's basically like window dressing um kind of the way that jessica rabbit is in the roger rabbit a few years beforehand but she's a big part of the story Probably one of the more interesting parts of it. Spoilers, but this movie's like 20-something years old, so 30. sorry. 30 years old, so, you know, who cares? Um, but she's like, maybe not the main villain, but like, at least the secondary villain? I'd call her the main, like, uh, the one with all the cards, kind of. Yeah, because in reality, Big Boy Caprice, while he is sort of the main villain, he doesn't actually know what's going on. <laughs> He's sort of oblivious. He's a boob! Uh, yeah. So, like, while he is driving the main plot and he is the person that needs to be stopped, Breathless is the one who actually knows what's happening and is setting up all the dominoes, you know? Can I be... Well, don't bring up dominoes to me, but um, can I be completely honest? My first... Well, I don't think the twist makes sense. For the entire movie, like, it seems like they're setting up Dick Tracy's fiance to be that character. that, And it makes sense because she's always kind of leaving. She's always kind of planning things she seems a little duplicitous and it seems like she'd want revenge on these things and especially when the kidnapping segment happens i'm like oh this is where she will reveal herself but nope it's it, it's madonna i don't think it doesn't make sense i mean because they set up that she's tired of being pushed around by lips like right away <laughs> yes and then immediately big boy kills lips and then starts pushing her around again um and also she sort of likes dick tracy so she doesn't want to see him get murdered necessarily Mm -hmm. um i feel like a lot of it is she's setting it up that she can be on top and dick tracy doesn't die (laughs) yeah but then who shoots her at the end like she definitely dies in the final scene but i forgot Uh, big boy big boy shoots her can i be honest 
I like Big Boy a lot more than I liked any of our heroes. Like, not as like he's like <laughs> one of those villains you love to hate. He's like one of the most. He's like a sleazy. Yeah, he's one of the most engaging film presences I've ever seen. I want him dead, both of them. I want this no face dead, and I want Tracy dead. What's the matter? You bums forgot how to kill people. Doesn't your work mean anything to you anymore? Have you no sense of pride in what you do? No sense of duty? No sense of destiny? I'm looking for generals! What do I got? Foot soldiers! I want Dick Tracy dead! I love the the part where they're singing uh they're singing more yeah. or whatever, and he's he's singing the whole thing with them. Mama. <laughs> It's really good. It's his second best musical number, you know, right next to Dunkachino. It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Oh, God, I love Dunkachino. What's my name? Dunkachino. Um, he is fantastic in this movie. A lot of the bit players, like every one of the mob bosses, is some very well-known character actor ranging from James Caan to Dick Van Dyke as the mayor. Is it the mayor or the DA? Yeah, the DA, DA. But definitely, like... And I feel like, strangely, Vic Van Dyke is underused. Maybe they're trying to figure out what to do with him in another movie sequel that they were going to do. Well, he gets he gets off, doesn't he? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he does. Yeah, you're right. No, he but, does. Dick uh, He gets Dick Tracy gets framed for yeah, killing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Dick Tracy gets off really easy with that one. I mean, Dick <laughs> Tracy kind of is the ultimate, like, I, I can get away with anything because I'm just that cool kind of guy. I mean, there, there's one thing about this movie that I'm not a huge fan of, and it's it's that Dick Tracy is definitely like a copaganda kind of thing. Oh, like definitely. He is like the cop that just should be allowed to do whatever he wants because he can stop everything, all crime at all times. Mm-hmm. I can sort of forgive it, though, because this takes place in like a fantasy universe that is nothing like our real world, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, it is kind of there. It, it's <laughs> like when he immediately refuses to let people have their phone call, torches witnesses and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, like he's a not a good guy. He's like a dirty, hairy kind of thing, you know? Like <laughs> He wants to keep killing people. They don't. He keeps saying, I don't want a desk job. I, they want to put me behind a desk. Well, he wants to be on the on the front lines fighting the, the criminal element. You know, which I guess you can interpret as he just wants to keep killing people. But I mean, he does kill a lot. The movie's climax is a gunfight where they just blow each other away with machine guns. Oh my god, they kill like everybody. (laughs) The only person who doesn't die in the gunfight is Big Boy Caprice. (laughs) It is a wild scene to watch now. It looks all practical. It looks incredible. But like now when like. When's the last time you've seen a hero fire a gun and kill someone in a movie? Well, I mean, there's like John Wick and stuff like that, isn't there? I mean, yeah, but a PG movie aimed for all audiences. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's the thing, though. Again, I don't... I feel like this movie would definitely be like PG-13, at least if it came out now. Well, PG-13 existed at the time, too. It's not like that was... Really? Yeah, this was right around the time the PG-13 was implemented. This has, like, nudity? Yeah. Like huge amounts of violence um like i i don't know some of the some of the uh, makeup is like leaning into body horror almost oh yeah (laughs) one of my favorite parts of this movie it's so stupid is how the thing is resolved with big boy it's not because the heroes like trick him or it's because he accidentally gets framed with kidnapping that he didn't mean to do I mean, it's a, it's an intentional framing. Breathless, yeah. Breathless is framing him on purpose. Yeah, but he didn't do it. Our bad guy didn't do the kidnapping of the hero's girlfriend. The, the funny thing is that yes, he's getting he's getting put away. He's finally caught because he didn't do do a crime, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious. And he's just and like the, apologizing to the girl the entire time through the kidnapping. He's a well, he's apologizing to her, but he's also like verbally threatening. <laughs> like it, it just goes back and forth. I like uh, I like that big boy Caprice. Uh, his his personality trait is that every time like a leadership role or something hap- ha- happens, he quotes somebody and then says who he's quoting. We are for the people, and if you ain't for the people, can't buy the people. It's strange. I mean, let's be clear. Big boy looks weird. 
He's the least look at weird looking bad guy among them, aside from maybe Amanda Patankin. Oh. Um, he has a hairline thing going on, but that's about it. Yeah, but I, I looked up pictures and I feel like that's a that's the normal hairline. Maybe. <laughs> he, I mean, he, he doesn't look normal. Normal. He still looks a little off, and maybe breathless. Um, there's a saying like, since she is also beautiful but also evil. I don't know. Maybe there's something to play with there. We talked about the twist. But one thing I just want to mention is when she's doing all of the uh, the crime element, she's wearing a mask where she doesn't have a face at yeah. all. And I feel like what's so great about the movie is that you don't even know, like initially, there's no way to know if that's just a person who actually doesn't have a face. <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of movie where someone might just not have yeah, a face. Yeah, it's like literally this could be a person who has no face. Like See, you literally can't tell. <laughs> I had seen Return of the Jedi a few too many times to know when a female's voice is just being altered for the mask. And that's ish, literally put the voices next to each other. The the masked vigilante and Dick Tracy sounds exactly like Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi when it's like yeah, dog. This is idiot keys. I got a deal for you. Meet me at the city carbon in one hour. And, and like uh, as soon as yeah. I heard the voice, I'm like, oh, that's some female. I don't know which. We've got two of them in this movie, so we got to figure out which one it is. That being said, let's talk about Warren Beatty. Do you, what do you know about Warren Beatty in general? Uh, he directed Dick Tracy. <laughs> That's it? That's about all I know right now. What else uh, we got? Warren Beatty is a bit of a weirdo. He he doesn't make films exactly. Like, if you bring him on, you're bringing him to write and produce and do everything. He is a presence in and of himself. Um, so famously, I think you, you're a Red Letter Media fan, Ishtar stars him. Three, two, three, four, four, two, three, and... These men are pawns. I put a price of 20,000 dirham on their heads. Next, they will be hailed as the two messenger of God. They were just a couple of songwriters who came to Ishtar to break into show business. And this oh, was his follow-up to Ishtar. Wait, this was the follow-up to yep. Ishtar? Yep. Um, Dang, something good did come out of Ishtar. <laughs> um, but the problem is you had Elaine, Elaine May directing that film, and then she brought in Warren Beatty, like, hey, help out, be the sole producer of this film with me. Um, and then he ruined it, actively ruined the entire production with his presence. He is a very heavy-handed producer, very heavy-handed presence in everything that he does. Now, that being said, he's very good at what he does. Um, before Ishtar, he made a film called Reds, which is a three-hour epic historical drama film um, that he wrote and starred in with Jack Nicholson, Diane Keaton. And in that, he had a suite written by one Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim doesn't have the patience to write a score for a three-hour film. He just wrote a six-minute suite that plays a lot throughout the film. But he said, hey, that was a great time. I will see you in a few years when I got a project. And that project happened to be Dick Tracy. <laughs> and they, he basically wrote it on its own. So let's talk about the legal. this film ballooned in budget, ballooned in all that kind of stuff. Warren Beatty, yeah. So he starred and produced the film. And he personally owns the right to the rights to the Dick Tracy character. Not Disney, Warren Beatty. Um, he wanted to launch a successful franchise with the film, but he had to halt the plans due to a lawsuit from executive producers, which is why this never got a sequel, even from other places in like media outside of Disney. Um, in 2002, Tribune Media Services attempted to reclaim the rights of Dick Tracy character from Beatty. Beatty believed that Tribune violated numerous notification procedures that clouded the title to the rights and made it commercially impossible for him to produce a sequel. In 2005, Disney rejected Tribune's claim and gave Beatty back most of the rights, and Beatty filed a lawsuit against Tri Tribune in 2005 and won the case in 2011. In, 20 okay. in 2010... 
Turner Classic Movies broadcast, the Dick Tracy special, shot in late 2008, where Beatty plays Dick Tracy and is interviewed in character by Leonard Maltin. Um, What? (laughs) He did this in an attempt to keep the rights, because he had to show he was at least attempting to make a sequel after a certain amount of years. Um, If you look up the special, he is lit kind of in shadows to hide how much he's aged, but Moulton did explicitly explicitly ask the fictional Dick Tracy if Warren Beatty planned to make a sequel, and he responded that he'd heard about that, but Moulton needed to ask Beatty himself. So, obviously, that was was not Beatty, that was Dick Tracy being interviewed. Yes. Um, However, so... Beatty did confirm his intention to make a sequel to Dick Tracy, but he refused to discuss details, saying, I'm going to make another one, but it's a dumb talking about movies before you get, you make them. I just don't do it. It gives you the perfect excuse by avoiding them. When asked if the sequel would, when the sequel get made, he replied, I took take so long to get around to making a movie, I don't know when it starts. In April 2016, he said he still wants to make the movie while attending CinemaCon. In 2023, Turner Classic Movies aired the Dick Tracy special Tracy Zooms In, a 30-minute television special featuring Beatty once again appearing as both Tracy and himself. He criticized aspects of the 1990 film adaptation to Beatty's face and suggests that younger actors should take over the role as Tracy. The special concludes with Beatty and Tracy meeting in person and suggesting that Dick Tracy will return in the future, although there have not been any sequels in either television or motion picture form, and there have been no sequels in any other form. So, Look, man, I would would love to see a new Dick Tracy movie. If they... Put the amount of care into it that they did with this one. Well, it is Warren Beatty. He does personally own the rights. Would you still want to see Warren Beatty, 96 years old man, playing Dick Tracy? Oh, <laughs> no, I think uh, I think Dick Tracy might be right. They should probably um, <laughs> should probably get a younger. <laughs> I don't know why that is like the that's the wildest part of this entire saga to me is Warren Beatty's fight to keep the rights to Dick Tracy to never make a movie with it. I feel like he could do it too. Like at this point, it wouldn't even have to be a sequel. You could just make another Dick Tracy movie, right? Like, yeah, it's been 30 years. Like, (laughs) in my opinion, he was still pretty old at the time to do this role. And if you're doing a 60-year-old Dick Tracy, you could. There is a story to be done there. I don't think you could do a 90-year-old Dick Tracy. No, 90-year-old Dick Tracy is in a retirement home um, and probably has severe head trauma. And says uh, he won't work behind no desk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I like the idea of Dick Tracy working behind a desk in his 60s and then being forced into... Like, there's a movie there. I could see that working. I think what's really fun about this Dick Tracy movie is that Dick Tracy himself isn't really that goofy of a character. No. Like he kind of does play it pretty seriously, even though he's surrounded by these like the most horrific just creatures look- I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, like it. It kind of is like when he goes in and is like trying to take apart the uh, the club or whatever, and all like prune face stands up and is like, "I wouldn't be caught dead in a place with gambling." Like Dick Tracy doesn't like mock him or anything or like crack a joke. Like, it's all dead serious. <laughs> I mean, he, you have to deliver lines like, you like walnuts, big boy? Yeah. <laughs> but you have to deliver it, like, straight. And I feel yeah. like that's what's so good. It's it's like a high, like, there's a high level of, like, camp and, like, charm. Yes, this is camp. That it, And we've lost the camp in a lot of modern movies. And I feel like we, we talk about this all the time. but We lost camp and replaced it with snark. Yeah, and I just... I want the camp back. I want I want campy movies to come back. You know, it's okay to just have some fun and like make a movie where things are bright yellow and Have like, you seen Everything funny. Everywhere All at Once yet? I haven't, but I want to. I hear that that is probably what I'm looking for. Uh, that is <laughs> I rewatched it last night and I'm just sitting there every five seconds like, man, this is just joyfully what it is and unpretentious at all. But you would love everything everywhere all at once. And this reminds me a lot of that where it's just taking big swings. I miss things that were so unafraid to be interesting. Every like yeah. and, and like, even though I profess that I fucking love this movie, I'm not gonna pretend it's like perfect or anything. No, it is not. Like, it's it's a goofy, fun movie, but it's like that's what it, that's what's so great about it, is that it it just yeah, it just makes these big decisions and it's just like, yeah, we're just gonna 
we're just going to fucking do it. Like, whatever. I'd be damned if someone could try to tell me Dick Tracy has an arc in this movie. Like, yeah, like, I mean, no. No, he doesn't. And even though we are sort of here to talk about the music, um, the actual score was done by Danny Elfman. And yes. I feel like it really is too much like Batman. Yes, I do like, not like the score to this movie. I think that, honestly, I think Steven Sondheim probably should have just scored the whole fucking thing. He would not have the patience. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't have, but stylistically, it would have worked a lot better. Danny Elfman doesn't have, like, a, a jazz, like, noir style to him at all. No. He has, a. Uh, he just made the Batman score again. <laughs> he has the Simpsons and then Batman and nowhere in between those two things. Yeah, and Dick Tracy got Batman. And I don't think it needed Batman. I think it no. needed... It needed to to lean into what it was doing with the Stephen Sondheim songs. Now, the Stephen Sondheim songs, we'll talk about more after the break, but I think they're some of his best work, honestly. Like, his most populous work, probably. Well, he did He did literally just write uh, I've Got Rhythm again, which I think is funny. He, yeah, he but... Almost made like a, he almost made, like, a rebuttal to I've Got Rhythm. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Um, and he talks about that in his his book a lot where he he very often like attributes like what he's quoting from in his work which is fantastic if you're an artist in my opinion so he wrote about his he wrote about his uh work on dick tracy oh yeah he he wrote about every lyric he's ever written in his two books jesus christ i was i would i would have assumed that dick tracy would have been like a footnote for him he wrote about the songs that were in the original, like, Jim Henson version of Into the Woods that never got made. <laughs> Sondheim okay. was like, hey, I want to make sure it's complete. Somebody's going to ask about Dick Tracy. But it's all in there. <laughs> he likes Dick Tracy. He's like, I'm very proud of the movie. I thought uh, Warren Beatty did a great job. I think uh, my work was represented, and it got me an Oscar, too, which is pretty great. He was very like, hey, I, I liked it. I- I'm proud of the work. <laughs> I, I think it's a good movie. I don't think he has anything to be ashamed of. <laughs> I don't think he would be. I, Stephen Sondheim is strangely very confident while being very insecure at the same time. Where he's confident about his work, very insecure interpersonally. <laughs> yeah, let's compare our opinions to those of the crazy folks on Letterboxd.com. It's time for previews. It's time for previews. It's time for previews. For the kids at home, this is a game where I read real letterbox scores to Andrew without the rating, and he has to tell me whether it is a one star or five star based on the rating or by the review alone. All right, Andrew. First one. I'm ready. Warren Beatty directing a children's movie, colon. Okay, so Madonna, you'll be topless in this scene. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It literally does happen. (laughs) Um, Whether or not I'd call this actually a children's movie, though, that's that's something else. that is a good point. We're going we're gonna to give it a five star, though. I think that that's a positive for this movie. That is correct, and it is. Um, <laughs> next one. This movie doesn't have any scenes. Um, I, mean, I get I what think they're it, saying. It, I, I don't fully know if I agree. I think it, on some level it does definitely have scenes. Um, that sounds really negative, though. We're going to go one star. That was a five star. I guess they, they, this person is an avant-garde enjoyer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next no one. No scenes. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Why would somebody kidnap Tess and not even ask for a ransom? Um, well, they explained it in the movie. Five stars. That is uh, one stars. star. Jesus fuck. These, these reviews are literally just, it's just fucking random. <laughs> it really is, though. I'm not making any of them up. I want to make that clear. You can go to Letterboxd and find these your, yourself. Um, Next one. The kid was the best part of the movie. Really? Someone has that opinion. I uh, mean, one star. If you think the kid was the best part, you must have fucking hated this movie. That is correct. <laughs> in, in parentheses, colon, old man voice. A feast for the eyes. <laughs> True. Five stars. That is correct. All right. Two more. Penis Tracy. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> banana raincoat wearing dick. Uh, um, God. Okay. Yeah. One star? They that is insulting correct. it? Okay. Good. Good. I got it. How about we go into some striking and visual art like our Patreon? <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors at Patreon. 
You can go to Patreon and get access to commentary tracks. We're releasing things like uh, the Rugrats right now, but we also have a whole backlog where we've covered all sorts of things. Um, and uh, you can also just give us some extra money if you'd like. You know, that's that's uh, that's our goal on Patreon. Our current patrons are Melissa Goldman, Danielle Rennix, Jess the Stampede, Ewan Cassidy, Monica Thoreau, uh, Brent Black, Nathaniel Stacey Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Mary Lou Choquette, John Vanals, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Gracie, Kyle Summers, Janae C., Scoot in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, Liz Lim, Nothing is Certain Except Beth and Taxes, Thesbian, Ren Cullen, Raphael martinez Salaz, Jessica T., Mitchell Young, Chai Teacup, Katie McDonough, Chris Marcote, Kiji Marie Anastasio, Trevi Joseph, uh, Leela, RJ Nariga, Charlie B., Bjorn Hermans, Toriana Frazier, Sammy the Most Lopez, Liana Morton, Kaylee Blazier, Cinemageddon Reviews, Villainous Miss, Sophina Ali, The Omega Geek, Paige Pearson, Maddie Wargle, Eliza Erdman, Anna Loskatova, Cheska Vare, Sarah Den Blaker, Evan Ball, Zachary Torres, Gathering Party Before Venturing Forth, Rora Morasso, Mara Forloin, Captain Rod Tastic, Lisa L., Sarah Walsh, Nobody, and Renee Thomas. And they give us a little financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you'd like to join them in supporting us and get all those fun things that Andrew brought up, come join us over at Patreon. Also, Andrew, I think it's time that we take our hats off in solidarity for a lost brother on our Patreon. Oh, who's that? Um, we lost Mina Maniri this week. Did you not notice? Oh, jeez. There's so many names now that I'm, I lose track, but yeah. I know, but they've been there for a while, so I'm like, ah, oh, I hope they're doing well. Sending you the best, Mina. Let's talk about these songs in the Tracy Dick. So these songs, man. <laughs> there is not many, but, but they're all bangers. They're pretty good. Wall yeah. to wall bangers. Let's start with Sooner or Later, which opens the film and plays a lot throughout the film. This one is, I mean, they're all kind of this jazzy kind of sound, but this one has that like sultry, like sexy vibe to it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it also like feels dark and scary. Like it, it properly sets the tone. I'm just now realizing that the title of the song is about, it's about Dick Tracy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Which I think it's, um, it's funny and it's, it's probably a intentional like lyric sort of thing. The person singing it is uh, mm, breathless, breathless, who wants to get Dick Tracy. She wants, I, I mean, I think, maybe this is like a headcanon thing, but I think she wants to, to be with Dick Tracy. Oh, definitely. Like, I think that's, that's like fully in the story. Yeah. Um, so she's sort of singing that she wants to get Dick Tracy and that sooner or later she'll get him. Um, but of course, the song is also just about how, you know, Dick Tracy always gets his man, you know? It is very good, like, lyrically, it's all the things that you want in a Sondheim thing, the internal rhymes. But if you insist, babe, the challenge delights me. The more you resist, babe, the more it excites me. And no one I've kissed, babe, ever fights me oh, again. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, the resist, exist, ex resist, uh, uh, I've kissed. He does such a good I've job. I've kissed with resist and insist he put in too much work for the for fucking dick tracy but you know what it got him a fucking oscar no one else would have done this would andrew lloyd weber have done this no i think most people would have written like two kind of why pop don't songs. you do it like some other men do 
Yeah, and then they would have just played one, like, they would have written, like, one song, and they would have just played, like, a couple times just to be like, see, we're, like, noir, we got, like, some jazz stuff going on. Who else but Warren Beatty would have hired Stephen fucking Sondheim to do a couple, like, little jazzy numbers? You know, now that I'm thinking about it, if they did do a new Dick Tracy, Stephen Sondheim's not around to do songs anymore. No, no. So, maybe it won't be good. (laughs) Who would honestly, you get? Like, honestly, same producer coming up to you like, hey, Dick Tracy. Yeah, obviously with, with Steven Sondheim not being an option, who do you get? You I get, think um, Jason Robert Brown would probably yeah, do the gonna job. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably have to get Jason Robert Brown. They'd probably try to get Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like, that's like but he wouldn't do it. I don't think he would do a good job. I don't think he would do a good job with this. Not because he's a bad writer or anything. It's just not his style. Um, I don't know. I'm interested. So, you... In our Patreon meetup, we talked a little bit about New York, New York, the new musical he's doing with John Cander, with, um, you know, from Cander and Ebb, the guy that did Cabaret and all that. And he is yeah. doing jazzier stuff there. And I am interested to see how that's going to turn out. I, I would be interested to hear it. I, I guess maybe he is a good writer for this style. I just don't think I've ever heard him do it. Yeah, I think that's something he hasn't tried yet. So I'm, I don't want to write him off yet. But as of right now, Jason Robert Brown's the only one really doing a proper jazzy score um, at the moment, unless you want to hire Pasek and Paul to do, you know, La La Land again. Yeah, well, I do think La La Land is fun. It's not going to be what you want here. No. <laughs> um, no. I, the thing is, you wouldn't think Sondheim for jazz either. Like, like considering his work at the time, he was kind of in his hiatus period right now. I think he had just done Sunday. You know, he had just done Into the Woods. So, no, he's not in his hiatus period. Um, so, yeah. No, he's getting into his late period now. Um, so, he, he still doesn't do much jazz stuff. This is probably it. Nope. You got Dick Tracy, though, and he, he does nail it. He um, does. Speaking of speaking of jazz stuff, uh, yeah. more. Got my diamonds. Got my yacht. Got a guy I adore I'm so happy with what I got I want more Count your blessings One, two, three I just hate keeping score Any number is fine with This is literally just a direct quote and rebuttal of the song "I've Got Rhythm," which is like classic, like ancient jazz. This is like this is like proto jazz type stuff. Um, yeah, so I've got rhythm, I've got music, I've got my gal. Who could ask for anything more, right? Right. Um, but then this song is it's essentially the exact same thing except for the the who could ask for anything more is replaced with i want more <laughs> which you know <laughs> it's smart it's clever it's um, clever it is essentially though it's essentially the same song on some level though like they don't it is using like the rhythm changes and all that but. yes but it's about greed instead of like yes. just loving it like or oh, does that sound too greedy? It's not greedy. It's it, so in, no, indeedy. It's just a stocking in the store. Gotta fill your cupboard. Remember Mother Hubbard more, more. Which and this is the song that uh, this is the only song that uh, Big Boy sings uh, ever. <laughs> he doesn't really sing it, but he basically ah, does. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, he kind of does sing it though. Like he does like the whole song. He hits her a couple times in it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously not supposed to be a, a savory character. <laughs> I also see a few other references in here. Um, sure. To what other, like, uh, I don't know if this is a jazz standard, but Sun in the Morning and the Moon at Night, where it's like, got no diamonds, got no pearls, still I think I'm a lucky girl out the sun on the moon. And here it's like, I got my diamonds and I got my pearls. I got my yacht, got a guy I adore. I'm so happy with what I got. I want more. It's really, yeah, It so it is, it is. I guess I was just hearing like musically the song references. Uh, there are so many changes, references in here. There's definitely other references and all of it is just like, 
anything, any song where it was like, you know, I've got enough and I'm happy. It's actually, no, I'm not. Like, I want more. <laughs> there was actually a, okay. You were on the right track a little bit. Was I? S- yes. Okay. So, this is a pastiche of all of George Gershwin's song, which I Got Rhythm is a Gershwin song. And there's also a lot of I Got Plenty of Nothing, which is a George Gershwin song from uh, Porgy and Bess. Um, okay. So I was hearing the right thing, but there's just more to it. There's even yes, more. There's more. <laughs> um, there's a lot of references to like other jazz standards that Sondheim like, obviously had impressions from. Uh, but the first lines are, Once Upon a Time I Had Plenty of Nothing, which there's an entire song called I Got Plenty of Nothing from Porgy and Bess. Um, the Best Things in Life Are Free, which is a reference to the Ray Henderson song. So it is definitely commenting on a lot of those songs about I don't need nothing but my guy or whatever bullshit. Yeah, except for it's it's not. I need more. I... <laughs> yes, it's about greed. And it says a lot, it's also like from the point of view of Breathless too. So a lot of these songs they repeat, like they do, they play them more than once. And this song always plays whenever she's in the club and singing to, to, um, all the criminals there. And so you hear this one quite a bit, Mm -hmm. but obviously where you're going to hear it the most is at the, the rehearsal scene, Oh yeah, which is kind of, kind of a disturbing scene in a way. Cause it's horrendous. How, how big boy like treats, treats her is really not okay. He like slaps her on the belly and it looks like it hurts. Like it looks like there was contact made. Obviously he is the bad guy. And so the movie is not condoning it. It's no, just, it is not. It is kind of disturbing to watch. Yeah, it's not <laughs> a fun thing to watch, but also he looks the way he looks. So you don't know whether to cringe or to laugh. Let's talk about yeah. What Can You Lose, which is the song between 88 Keys and Breathless. What can you lose? Maybe it's yours. She's had clues which she chose to ignore. Maybe though she knows and just wants to go on as before. As a friend, nothing more. So she closes the door. Well, if she does, those are the dues. Once the words are spoken, something may be broken. Still you love her, what can you lose? But what if she goes? At least now you have part of her. What if she has? this one is surprisingly good why surprising it's just because it's in fucking dick tracy this is like a like a real fucking song and (laughs) it takes it's almost like a real musical number too like yes in 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 that it's even describing what is going on in the story in a way because this i think they they sing this right after um isn't it right after Dick Tracy gets arrested and framed and yep. everything? It's the lowest and he point, loses, kind of. His lowest point, he loses his uh, girlfriend. She, I, she just doesn't want to deal with Dick Tracy anymore, so she just bails. <laughs> um, and then this song plays, but it's between uh, 88 Keys and Breathless. Breathless, and they are actually just succeeded in everything that they wanted to do. Um, so it's, it's like an interesting moment, mm-hmm. and it's uh, really well done. And also you got Mandy Patinkin singing most of it, and he's got like one of the most beautiful like voices around. Um, and he and Madonna sound shockingly well together. Is this the only time they've ever sung together, probably? As far as I know. A Madonna, uh, Mandy, and Stephen Sondheim collaboration. The only one, probably, yeah, ever. Yeah, I don't think it would ever happen again. These three individuals. <laughs> <laughs> Just certainly an interesting moment to have in fucking Dick Tracy. Okay, it is wild that we're doing this today, though. You know, today is Sondheim's birthday and Andrew Lloyd Webber's birthday because they share a birthday. Um, of course they do. Isn't that fucking wild? Um, but both uh, Madonna and Mandipatankin have famously worked with both Stephen Sondheim and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Is this the only time Madonna has worked with Stephen Sondheim? As far as I know, aside from like, you know. But it did, it did happen, though. So yeah, you, it you happened. can't say it didn't happen. 
<laughs> can't take it away from her. Her entire album, I'm Breathless, is just... Because none of the songs from this movie were released on the Dick Tracy soundtrack. They were released on Madonna's album, I'm Breathless, which is weird that an album with just Madonna songs are all ri- that are all written by Stephen Sondheim exists in the world. <laughs> God, I, I fucking love this movie. This movie, <laughs> it's like a thing that you would think I made up. It's like, you know, a pitch meeting that we do on Make Me a Musical. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we got this goofy detective movie. Everyone's in, like, monster makeup. <laughs> uh, this like he's wearing he wears a banana cover colored uh raincoat and uh we got madonna singing stephen sondheim songs uh in it mm-hmm. with uh with mandy Patinkin. <laughs> you know what song i like it's a background number madonna doesn't sing it that, as far as i know but it's live alone and like it i think it's just playing over a montage of one scene it's just a fun little ditty like it feels very much in sondheim's realm of follies Live alone and like it, free as the birds in the trees. High above the briars, live alone and like it, doing whatever you please. When your heart desires, free to hang around or fly at any old time. Like, as a pastiche of like those old-timey like folly shows. These songs really do boost the movie a lot. Oh, they do. Like, if that montage was just like... Danny Elfman score and not this. Yeah, like it literally wouldn't. It wouldn't work as well. Like the movie itself wouldn't be as memorable. I think because uh, yeah, like little touches like having this song in there playing there just makes it work better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then of course there's like the murder song back in business that's playing over everything going on there. Maybe I'll run for mayor myself. <laughs> <laughs> Today it seemed the world was about to end Dignity, as though it wouldn't last half a year Yesterday disaster waited around the bend Well, my friend, spring is here Back in business and ain't it grand Another. Back in Business is the other montage number. Yep. It's the it's the opposite montage number. Instead of Dick Tracy winning, winning now it's uh, Big, Big Boy, Boy Caprice winning. Which I love that there's... Oh my god. It's just everything about this movie. It's, I love that there's the two fucking montages. Dick Tracy winning and then Big Boy winning. And they both have... This is... <sighs> when's the last time you saw a montage in a movie? <laughs> like a proper montage. They're not even bad. People make fun of montages like they're like lazy or something. They are not. Like, you can do good montages like you don't have to like not everything needs to be in fucking real time it's good sometimes just like hey shit happened over like a couple weeks and like wouldn't you rather see a little music video (laughs) conveying story instead of you know like hey we've been working for a while i don't know i i why are montages bad like why why are they gone i don't understand i think maybe the death of the sports movie was part of that too really dude movies are in a dire state i don't even fucking know they really really are cinema (laughs) i'm not saying that all movies are bad obviously there are really good movies that are coming out still everything everywhere all at once it's just it feels like uh it feels like genre wise and like you really have to seek out the good movies now it's not like you can just go to the theater and like some good movie will be playing you have to like look for it now Mm mm-hmm and that's the other part of this that I'm really excited about the death of streaming right now and how it is not a sustainable business method. And Disney is going back. We should really reinvest in physical media. Literally, Bob Iger said that in a presentation this week. We're thinking we're going to reinvest in physical media. The The bubbles pop for us. It is not financially tenable for us to just focus on streaming. And I'm like, yes, thank you. All right. Well, I feel like we've talked everything that there is to talk about Dick Tracy. But did Tracy zoom in? Did Tracy zoom in? Dude, I tried to watch that, but it was so cringe. I had to stop after like five minutes. <laughs> that is the closest thing we'll ever get to a Dick Tracy sequel is Dick Tracy zooming in. God, I, it was actively embarrassing. I was just like, please make the stop. <laughs> they aired that on TV. They did. He bought the he bought the rights and it aired at like 3 a.m. Oh, well, yeah, because he. 
it was literally just like a I need to keep the rights, so yes. let's make something and air it somewhere, and hopefully nobody will see it. <laughs> and it's not like it'll be posted on the internet. <laughs> oh, oh man. gosh! But Andrew, what is your overall thoughts on Dick Tracy and your cheese rating? Overall thoughts. I mean, I just I fucking love Dick Tracy the movie. It's it's so fucking good. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Um, it's I don't know. It's just a ton of fucking fun to watch. And there are things that I don't love about it, but honestly, I don't even care. Like it's just good. Whatever. Fuck it. Go in knowing it's gonna be a weird experience. Don't go in expecting a Marvel movie. <laughs> oh God. And honestly, if you go in expecting a Marvel movie, I I hope you're disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a comic book movie. Let's go give it a... You know what? If you liked Sam Raimi's Darkman, you'll love this movie. I think that's a good judgment to make. Oh, yeah, and Darkman is so fucking good, too. Yeah, Darkman yeah, fucks. Yeah, if you like Darkman, this is absolutely, like, the same genre. Like, very similar. Um, That would make a great double feature, honestly. Actually, yeah, now I'm thinking about it. Like, Darkman and Dick Tracy? I feel like you watch Dick Tracy first, and then you go into Darkman afterwards. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Dark Man feels like, you know, a dessert. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as a cheese rating, God, do they talk about cheese? They don't talk about cheese at all. It, I was th- trying to think of, like, what the kid eats and, like... He eats what... ice cream. A lot of ice cream. He does eat a lot of ice cream. Um, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna give it... I'm just gonna give it a cheddar cheese. Nice and bright, bright yellow, sharp cheddar cheese. Like, like his banana raincoat. <laughs> no! No! That's wrong! It's off, it's wrong, it doesn't work, it's not good. Yeah, um, I can't fight that. That's a, such a good, uh, I, I like this movie a lot, but it, like it does go down, when it, when it gets boring, it's really boring. Like I want to say that, it does go into a place where I'm just like, I, I don't I don't really want to watch this anymore. But then it'll rise up again, it really ebbs and flows, it gets you and it drags you. Anytime they're singing a Sondheim number, I'm hooked though. I think there's just, there's enough good stuff in it that I mean, this isn't a movie I'm gonna turn on like every day or anything like that. But every once in a while, you you watch Dick Tracy and you're just like, yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, so there was one time a guy says, "I'm gonna put holes in you like Swiss cheese." So I'm gonna give it Swiss cheese. Oh shit! I should have remembered that. That's right. Yeah, good good call. A good lot call. of people get shot up in this movie, dude. It's fucking violent, dude. What are we missing? We gotta do your Sondheim ranking tier list. Oh, God. This counts? Yeah, it's a Sondheim piece. If we're counting Evening Primrose, yeah, this counts. Okay, do I rate this based on the Sondheim songs alone? Because this isn't a musical, or do I base it on how you much I like Dick Tracy? You make your own criteria here. Because it feels unfair, like, rating... Well, the thing is, Sondheim only wrote the songs for every musical he's ever done. He's never in the book, he's never directed it. So it's equally as fair okay. to rate this among everything else. Um, I hate to say it, but I feel like fucking B tier is absolutely fucking stacked. <laughs> You're putting it in B? Uh, I'm putting it in B tier. I mean, Damn. I like Dick Tracy a lot. I don't want to put it in A because I feel like A is reserved for like what I would consider almost like masterpiece theater, you know? And like Which, Dick Tracy's not. To bad. remind Dick others, Tracy. it's Sweeney Todd and Into the Woods. Yeah, we're, I, don't think, I don't think Dick Tracy is like masterpiece theater. It's just a lot of fun. Um, like, like the frogs, <laughs> like the frogs. Although I think this is better than the frogs, I'm gonna put this above company, but okay. like right, right above company. Um, not to say that like Dick Tracy is like way better than company. Just you hear that, kids? Dick Tracy is better than company. Andrew said it. I said it. Yeah, you know what? I said it. His full ranking is Sweeney Todd, Mama Rose Musical, Into the Woods, Merrily Sunday, Dick Tracy, Company, Follies, West Side Story, The Frogs, Pat. Pacific Overtures, Assassin's Passion, and Evening Primrose at the very bottom. Um, how many do you think we have left, Andrew? There's probably like three. So we haven't done Saturday Night. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Anyone can whistle. Do I hear a waltz? Then we've done most of that. Um, Roadshow. And finally, Here We Are, which is the last one, which will be coming out later. So that's still like six. Yeah, there's a good couple. Okay, I'm a little less sad. And I'm sure, uh, like, would we cover Reds, the three-hour Warren Beatty film that he did a little bit of music for? That might be a, uh, like, a Patreon, like, we just do a short episode where we talk about it briefly. We just talk about his score, because, like, 
um, for one of his concerts, they do just perform what he's written for it to a ballet, which is fine. Because I don't think I, I don't think I could sit through all three hours of Reds. I'm sorry, guys. If you're wondering why I haven't done the films of Stephen Sondheim, I couldn't get through Reds. Okay, true. Dick Tracy, though. We made it through Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy. <laughs> you know who definitely made it through Dick Tracy? Hopefully all of our patrons. 88 Keys. Um, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Musicals with Cheese. Run Twitter at Cheesy Musicals. Ma- Patreon Musicals with Cheese. Instagram Musicals with Cheese. YouTube page Musicals with Cheese. Patreon-only podcast called Patreon with Cheese. Email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our keeper of the cheeses. Julian. There's some ASMR for you. <laughs> this show is edited by Andrew DeWolf, and he's doing a fantabulous job. Our theme songs were created by Robin Nash Value Music UK. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform and for not kicking us off for talking, talking so much about Tracy's dick. All right, Andrew, anything else we have left to say? You know, I'm going to add so many fucking memes into this episode. Oh, you? I'd be disappointed if you didn't. <laughs> Sooner or later, you're gonna be mine. Sooner or later, you're gonna be fine. Baby, it's time that you faced it. I always get my man. Banana raincoat wearing dick. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.